last week we began our new series, A New Heart, as we started to dig through the book of Ezekiel. And you know, last week we were looking at Ezekiel's vision, you know, of the four faces and the four wings and the straight legs and, you know, the calf's feet. And a lot of times, you know, we've looked at that scripture and it's just been confusing. And hopefully last week I was able to bring some light into that vision and show us how we need to use them four faces in our everyday life. How we need to put our wings and attach our wings to each other and go straight. And especially go straight where the Spirit leads us. You know, a lot of times we try and go where we want to go and we don't go where the Spirit leads us. So hopefully last week you got a little bit of that so you can understand. We need to join together. We need to go where the Spirit leads us and do what God has called us to do. Now today I'm going to let you know this message is going to be a little hard for some people. And I'm going to let you know straight up, it's hard. All messages really aren't that easy. And this is a strong message. And the reason I think it's a strong message is because we're going to talk about how we as Christians should live. How we as Christians should live. And unfortunately, in today's society, we all have a different idea of how a Christian should live. We all have, oh, well, we believe this, or we don't believe that, or we can do this, or we can't do that. But today we're going to see what God's Word says on how we should live our lives. And it's not always an easy message. You know, and I'm sure every one of us at some point in our life has been told something we didn't want to hear. I know I've been told stuff I didn't want to hear. And generally the first reaction of anyone when you hear something that you don't want to hear is you get angry. Why are you saying that to me? Or we start thinking that someone is judging us when all they're doing is telling us the truth. And it's hard. It doesn't come easy. Even as a pastor, I can tell you now, it doesn't come easy. I have spiritual brothers and sisters that hold me accountable. And they listen to my messages and they'll watch my life and they hold me accountable for my words and my actions. And there are days I don't like what they got to say. There's days I don't like what I have to say about myself. But I know in order to do what God's called me to do, I need to straighten up and I need to continue to move forward and listen to what others have to say if I'm going to be the Christian that God has called me to be. So with this today, we're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 14 through 27. So if you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to open it up to Ezekiel chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, there is one in the back of the pew in front of you. As a reminder, the verses will also be up on the screen. If you're watching online, I encourage you to have a Bible with you. And let's go ahead and read and see what God's Word has to say this morning. Ezekiel 3, 13, 14 through 27. So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit, but the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Then I came to the captives, captives in Tel Abib, who dwelt by the river Shabar, and I sat where they sat and remained there astonished among them seven days. 
Now it came to pass at, at the end of the seven days that the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, fear, uh, therefore hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you surely shall die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his inequity, but his blood will require at your hand. Yet if you warn a wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from the wicked way, he shall die in his inequity, but you have delivered your soul. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits inequity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because you did not give him warning, he shall die in his sin, and his righteousness, which he has done, shall not be remembered. But his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin, he, he shall surely live because he took warning. Also you will have delivered your soul. Then the hand of the Lord was upon me there, and he said to me, Arise, go out into the plain, and there I shall talk with you. So I arose and I went out into the plain, and behold, the glory of the Lord stood there like the glory which I saw by the river Shabar, and I fell on my face. Then the Spirit entered me and set me on my feet and spoke with me and said to me, Go, shut yourself inside your house, and you, O son of man, surely they will put ropes on you and bind you with them so that you cannot go out among them. I will make your tongue cling to the roof of your mouth so that you shall be mute and not be one to rebuke them, for they are a rebellious house. But when I speak with you, I will open your mouth and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord, God, he who hears, let him hear, and he who refuses, let him refuse. They are a rebellious house. Heavenly Father, as we dig into your word this morning, Lord, I ask that you open up our eyes so that we may see what you want us to see. Open our hearts so we may receive what it is you want us to receive. And Lord, may my words be yours and may you be glorified through it all. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to start out analyzing this whole word watchman. What is a watchman? And really, what does it mean? And I think really to have a better understanding of what a watchman is, we need to go back into biblical times. You know, we need to go back to the past. In order to go back in the past, like we've said before, you know, biblical times are different than ours. You know, today we see a great number of cities that have huge populations. You know, there's a, cities that have millions of people living in them. But during Ezekiel's time, all the cities were small. There were smaller cities um, in comparison with today. And as we may have certain protections around us, the only protection they basically had during biblical times was they had to build a wall. So they would build a wall around the city, and what they would do is they would put what is called watchmen on top of the walls or in the towers. And the watchman's job was to be alert and be watching for anything that may go wrong. And if they saw an attack coming over the horizon, they'd have to blow the trumpet. 
And when they blew the trumpet, they would close the gates to the city and the armies would take up on the walls so they could defend the city. So the watchmen had a very important job. It was their job to prevent people from attacking or getting into the city by surprise. You know, and we all know the old Trojan horse, horse story. They put him inside the Trojan horse and they brought him inside. And then once they were inside, they were able to take over the city. And I think sometimes we do the same thing. We allow that Trojan horse into our own lives because we're not being them alert watchmen watching on the towers or from the top of the walls to see the evil that's coming at us. Or we don't have someone who is our watchman watching out and letting us know, hey, 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 there's evil coming. We need to secure the fortress. We need to close the doors. We need to get the army prepared. We need to put on our full armor of God so that we can resist this attack. So as we look at the watchmen, they were very important back in the day. They couldn't fall asleep. They had to be on their post all the time. And it didn't matter what the weather was, whether it was hot, cold, rainy, if it was thunder and lightning outside, they had to stay on watch. They had to be up there doing their job. No matter what, because people relied on them for their safety. <clears throat> and if, you know, like I said, if, if they spotted trouble, they would let people know by sounding the horn. And it's interesting that here we see that Ezekiel received his responsibility. Instead of being told you're the watchman of a city, he was told he was going to be the watchman of the house of Israel, the entire house of Israel, which brings to it a whole lot more complications than just a small city where you may have a couple hundred people living. But Ezekiel took his call. He took his call and he was obedient to what God called him to do. And his call was to bring God's message to the people. Bring God's message to the people and to those who had rebelled against God or even rebelled and were living in sin, Ezekiel was called to bring God's message to. It's not an easy task. He definitely did not have an easy task ahead of him. And I believe that that it wasn't an easy task because God had to encourage him. God had to encourage him that he was going to be with him and give him the strength because it wasn't a popular message. You know, last week I kind of talked about, you know, the, what controls the culture and the culture is stories. Who tells the best stories? And see, I've always said, and we have the best story of Christianity. The problem is people feel that when we're telling our story, that we're judging them. Because we judge someone because of their sin. Because we judge someone. And it's not really coming off as judgmental, but a lot of times we sound judgmental. You ask someone today, hey, why don't you go to church? What are they going to tell you? Because they're hypocrites inside the church. Because unfortunately, a lot of us are turned into Pharisees instead of being Jesus with skin on. And it's interesting as we talk about this today. You know, and there's not much of a difference between Ezekiel's time and our time. There's not much of a difference at all. Conditions in the world today are very similar to what Ezekiel was facing. They were in exile. They were in exile where they worshipped idols. 
where there was sin abound all over the place. Just like when we walk out these doors. People are worshiping idols. There's sin all over the place. And then they're trying to change what sin is by making it appear like it's a good thing. Well, it's legal to do this, so it's not a sin. Well, man don't make the laws. God does. And unfortunately, a lot of times we'll do the same thing. Well, you know, it's okay if I do this. Well, God's word is kind of, no, God's word, it's, it's black and white. There's not a gray area. Lord knows we'll try and find that gray area. We will walk in that gray area and try, well, it, it isn't really, it, it says this, but not this, so I can walk right here. Sin is sin, and we need to call it what it is. We need to be obedient to what God calls us to be. People have allowed the enemy into their lives. And unfortunately, some of us in this room have also allowed the enemy to come into our lives. Slowly but surely, allowed them to creep in because we've left the gates open and we didn't have a watchman. You know, in these verses, I really think God's talking to us. And as I said to begin, I'm sure at one point each one of us has heard a message that we didn't like. So I'm going to get up in your business. And I hope you don't get angry. I hope you take it for what it is. God's word is God's word. And it's especially true when someone takes their mission of what God's called them to do serious. And I want you to know I didn't prepare this message with anyone in particular in mind. Spent a lot of time in prayer. But I'm here to tell you, I have sat inside a church and I swore that the pastor was looking straight at me and he was pointing at me while he was giving his message. And I was just, wait a minute, did you put a bug in my house, pastor? I'm like, I swear he bugged my house. He knew what I was talking about. He knew what was on my mind. And I actually went up and talked to him afterwards and he started laughing. He's like, well, Pastor Ken, you know, if you felt that way, Imagine how everyone else felt. I said, but you were looking at me. He goes, I didn't even see you. He says, I know where you sit. But, you know, it was about a 2,000-seat sanctuary. He says, I knew where you sit, but I didn't see you because we used to dim the lights. He goes, I wasn't looking at you at all. But let me tell you, the Holy Spirit convicted me, and I sat there going, whoa, wait a minute. And I even got a little mad. Why is he talking about me? I took it that personal that he was talking about me. I want you to know this message is not into, for any particular person. If God convicts you during this message, it's God convicting you, not me. I'm just going to tell you what God's word says. All right? Are we good with that? And if you're upset, you can send me a letter later. <laughs> so, but I want to tell you this because, you know, I spent a lot of time in this message. I fought, I fought with God about should I, shouldn't I, should I, should I, you know, going back and forth, and, you know, God always wins. So here we are. We need to be careful with everything we do. We need to be very careful as we go into this world because each one of us has that role of a watchman. We have to be watching over our family, our friends, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to be the watchmen on the wall. And any attempt 
that the enemy tries to infiltrate into our lives or someone else's lives, we need to be able to stand bold and stop and sound the alarm, blow the horn, and get the armies ready to prevent what's going to happen. We have to protect the blessings that God has given us each and every day, and we have to maintain our sight in which God has given us. And you know, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, and that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped of every good work. But this goes against what the world says, isn't it? That's not what the world wants us to believe. It's interesting that we see that God referred to Ezekiel as the son of man and in this because if you look closely at the importance of it, God, God could have had chosen angels. He could have chosen legions of angels to bring his message to the wicked. Instead, he chose a simple, ordinary person, Ezekiel, just like he's chose a simple, ordinary person in us. We've all been called into his service. We've all been called to do what he calls us to do. And we have to make that decision to serve him each and every day. And we may not always bring a popular message. Some people aren't going to like what we have to say. We may not always bring a message that pleases everybody. But we've got to bring the message that God wants us to bring to each and everybody we come in contact with. It's our responsibility to bring the truth. In every situation, it's our responsibility to bring light into the darkness. Darkness cannot be where light is. It can't be there. You know, even uh, in 2 Timothy 4, 2, it says, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and teaching. You've got to preach the word. It's what God calls us to do. And it's not only our responsibility and our obligation, but when the day comes that we're going to be face-to-face -face with our Creator, we're going to have to account for it. We're going to have to account for what we've done and what we haven't done. And I think a lot of times we forget about the, what we haven't done. We're very quick to remember the things that we did, but what about the things that we didn't do? We're all going to have to account for anything that we've ignored that God called us to do. When we didn't assume the responsibility of what God called us to do, we're going to have to account for that. We're going to be held accountable for it. God's going to judge the watchmen according to their faithfulness. Look at again at verses 18 through 21. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his inequity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked ways, he shall die in his inequity, but you have delivered your soul. 
Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits inequity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die because you did not give him warning. He shall die in his sin and his righteousness, which he has done, shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning. Also, you will have delivered your soul. In other words, what this is telling us is that when we see that things are wrong, if we see that things are going against the will of God, we've got to speak up. We've got to do something. We've got to be able to speak up. We've got to be able to be bold and let the person know, hey, this is sin. Sin is sin. I love you very much, but sin is sin. I have a sister who lives an alternate lifestyle. She's married to another woman. I love her to death. I love my sister to death. I pray for my sister every day. I pray that God will bring the right people into her life so that she will move on and make it into heaven someday. I tell her in a heartbeat, I love you. I love you for who you are. I love the person. I don't like the sin. I can't. I've got to be open and honest with somebody. If I see someone who says they're a Christ follower and they're veering away, Maybe they're starting to get into some drugs or some drinking or something. It is my responsibility to step up and say, hey, what you're doing is not what God's called you to do. We've got to be bold and be able to do this. And it's not easy. It is not easy to be able to step forward and say that to somebody. But it's our job as Christians to do that. As watchmen on the wall, we need to stand firm in what God's Word calls us to stand firm in. It's not always easy. I know where I used to be. And I am so glad where I used to be, someone met me where I was at and told me about Jesus. They told me what I was doing wrong. They told me about the sin in my life and had me change and start following Christ. I had a watchman save my life. Because he brought me to the feet of Jesus. Because he did what he was called to do. You see, as a watchman, a believer, even as a preacher, if we don't sound the trumpet and alert someone of the sin in their life, the blood's going to be on our hands. And we forget about that. Well, I did all of this good for the Lord. Well, I didn't do this that he called me to do. Well, I saw this person doing this, and, and I didn't go and talk to them about it. You're going to be held accountable for that just as much as you're held accountable for the people that you brought into heaven. The people that you planted seeds, and you brought them into church, and you invited them, hey, come into church. You know, I think this person will be good inside our church. I'm not looking for someone who, oh, this person will help and be a good person inside our church. No, I'm looking for anyone who is lost who needs to come in and meet Jesus. They don't need to look like me. They don't need to act like me. They can be totally different from me. They just need to know Jesus. I'm going to do my part to help them to know Jesus. 
I'm going to do my part to meet them right where they're at and be that watchman on the wall. There's danger coming. I've got to sound the trumpet. I've got to blow this trumpet into people's lives. We can't just continue going through the motions. We've got to affect change and tell our story. In Matthew 18, 19 through 20, what are we told to do? Go therefore and make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. He promises he's going to be with us. But we have to do what he's called us to do. We have to be faithful servants of God. Our mission as the people of God here on earth is a serious matter. What we do is serious. It affects people's lives. It affects people's lives for eternity. If we know someone in our family who does not know Jesus Christ, we should be praying every single day for them. Because they can spend eternity in heaven with us, or they can be spending eternity in hell. And you see a lot of pastors and a lot of preachers don't preach about hell. Well, hell is a real place. There are people who are going to spend the rest of their life in hell because we didn't do what we were called to do. We didn't speak up and tell them about Jesus Christ. Now, granted, we can't make everyone accept Jesus Christ. We cannot make people get away from their sin. But we can at least tell them. We can at least tell them the story of what Jesus has done in our lives and hopefully have them, by planting that seed, that they will accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior and spend eternity with us. It's a serious business. The responsibility that we have, we cannot take lightly. We can't just do it when we feel like it. We can't just do it when, well, I care about this person, so I'm going to say something. I don't care about this person, so I'm going to let it go. We can't pick and choose. Anyone who God brings into your life who needs to know Jesus, we need to be open and speak the truth. And it's not easy. There are going to be people who not, aren't going to like it. Remember at the very, very beginning, I asked you, has anyone ever told you something you didn't like? I remember before I met Jesus, I was in a bar. I was in a bar on that Saturday night up in North Carolina, and I was drinking heavily. And a friend of mine said, man, you need to come to church with me tomorrow. I was like, yeah, right. I'm not going to church. I had walked away from church. I was raised Catholic. My father was nowhere in my life. I didn't know my earthly father until I was 20 years old. How could a heavenly father love me if my earthly father didn't? I don't need church. I was raised Roman Catholic. I know all about rules and regulations. I walked into... Grace Baptist Church on Sunday morning, hung over with my friend, and I heard a message. 
And I'm here to tell you, I thought that pew was on fire. God grabbed a hold of me that day. And I came up that day at the end, and I, I gave my life to Jesus. And, and what's interesting, I say I did it on that Sunday. I actually believe I really accepted Christ the next day. Because on Monday, I wasn't hungover. And on Monday, while I was out in the woods in North Carolina, and nighttime came, and I looked up, and I saw all the stars and all the wonder of God, that's when I accepted him in my life. And he changed me radically. And it was all because I had a friend who was a watchman on the wall who saw the life I was living and brought me into church. Told me I had a problem and changed my life. Changed me. And you know, it's interesting. I think that's the last time I ever got drunk. It's the last time I can really remember ever drinking the way I used to drink. Like that. It changed my life. He changed my life by being obedient to what God called him to be. And even though I didn't like the message at the time, he was bold enough to step forward and give me that message and tell me what I need to know. And you know, as we go through this, you know, you start thinking about it and you're like, well, Pastor Ken, how can I do this? How can we do this? You know, people are just, I'm, it's like I'm beating them over the head with the Bible. Well, it's interesting, if you go back to verses 15 and 16, it actually says, Then I came to the captives at Tel Abib, who dwelt by the river of Shabar, and I sat where they sat and remained there astonished among them for seven days. Now it came to pass at the end of the seven days that the word of the Lord came to me. So it started by him making, having a relationship. He sat among them for seven days. When's the last time you sat with someone for seven days? Probably. And not counting the person you live with. Not counting the people in your house. When's the last time that you actually took that time? And you think about it in seven days. What did he do? He built a relationship. He built a relationship with people. He met them where they were at and started a relationship with them. He listened to what they had to say probably broke bread with them. And see, so many times we get caught up, we won't do that. Well, that person's living in sin. I can't go hang out with them. We're to be in the world, but not of the world? Well, wait, we're, yeah. So, it doesn't mean you can't go and spend that time with somebody. If you know someone needs to meet Jesus, you know what they're doing is wrong, whether it's drugs, alcohol, anything they may be doing. Take time with them. Build a relationship with them. Because then when you build that relationship with them and you start to have that conversation with them about the sin that may be in their life or the destruction that they may be doing in their life, it may come a little easier. Of course, I'll tell you, when someone points out your sin, you're never going to like it. But if we can do it with love and speak with truth because we have a relationship with that person, it makes it a little easier. But so many times we just, oh, you're a sinner. You're going to hell. And we don't want to take that time to get to know the person or have a relationship with them and find some common ground. Find some common ground with them 
in something. Your common ground could be fishing. Your common ground may be going hunting. Your common ground may just be sitting in a coffee shop, bike riding, canoeing, playing basketball, playing football. You may have a common ground anywhere. Find the common ground with those that you want to speak truth into and speak truth into their lives. Find that common ground and take time there. Take time building that relationship. Guarantee you they will see something different from you than they do from the world. And as the watchman on the wall, that's what we're called to do. Sound the trumpet in other people's lives. Don't beat them over the head with the King James Bible. You're just going to scare them off and run them away. I've never seen anyone saved by getting beat over the head with one of these. All right? Never seen it. I have seen people get saved through truth. You see, people will run from people who judge them. If someone feels you're judging them, they're automatically going to run, they're going to push back. We do the same thing. If someone starts judging us, what's the first thing we do? Man, we're going to fight, let's go. You're going to put up your dukes or you're going to run away. Because the last thing we want is to be judged. And it's the same thing for people in the world. We run from people who judge us. And people will run from us if they're thinking we're judging them or if they think that we're hypocritical. But when grace and truth are fused together, people come to it. When we give people grace for what's going on in their life. Lord knows each one of us got grace at some point. God's word says we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. There's only one sinless person that ever walked on the face of this earth, and that was Jesus Christ. So all of us have been there. We've all been where someone else has been. And some of us are still there. We just hide it very well. We put on that mask when we come into church. How are you doing, brothers and sisters? It's been a beautiful day. Blessed be the Lord. Then you go out in the driveway, you get on 95, and you tell people they're number one. And I'm not talking this number one. We're all sinners. But we got to speak and show grace and truth. And when grace and truth are fused together, people will open up their hearts and listen, at least listen to what's got to be said. They may not always like it. But we have to tell the truth and we have to be, have grace when we do it. Finding that common ground where we can open up and get someone to drop their arms down because instead of being in defense, oh, here comes Pastor Ken, get them to drop their arms by hanging out, spending time with them, find that common ground, have a relationship with them, and then speak truth with grace. Speak truth with grace, that same grace that you received. You know, it's interesting, I remember a story was about a man, he was a, there's a man killed on a railroad crossing back in like 1891. And, of course, the relatives went to sue the railroad company, claiming that it was negligence on the part of the watchman. And during the ensuing trial, the watchman had to get up, and the opposing attorney was asking him all kinds of questions, and and the first one what the attorney asked was, 
Were you on duty at the crossing the time of the accident? Watchman's like, yes, I was. Attorney said, you have your lantern? Yes, I did. Attorney asked him, did you wave your lantern as a warning? Guy says, I waved it several times. And after answering all these questions in affirmative, the, the attorney said, well, you know, the watchman did what he was told to do. So about a week later, one of the officials from the railroad came and met with the, the watchman. And he wanted to thank him for saving the railroad all kinds of money and for being open and honest when he was on, the, on trial and standing up there as a witness, and he really helped the railroad. So he asked him, he says, Mr. Jarvis, were you ever nervous during the questioning? Mr. Jarvis says, I certainly was. I was waiting for him to ask if the lantern was lit. <laughs> See, any one of us can go through the motions. We can go through the motions and we can wave a lantern. But is it lit? Is your lantern lit to warn others? Is your lantern lit? to warn others. Are you shining your light brightly into this world today? Are people able to see your light? Are you really a watchman? Are you standing out there ready to sound the horn to save people's lives? I hope so. I really hope so. I hope that we can be all in. And if you're not, maybe you need to take them next steps and say, God, I need to be all in. God, I need to be a watchman. God, I need you to open up my eyes. I need them God appointments. It's never easy. But with truth and grace, we can speak into people's lives. And if we do what God calls us to do, and we at least give the warning, it doesn't mean that person's going to accept Jesus Christ and, you know, be saved and everything we hope for. They may reject the message. But know that you did your part. And even if they reject your message the first time, it doesn't mean we stop praying. We continue to pray and we continue to reach out to that person. Showing them love. Giving them grace and speaking truth into people's lives. It's not easy. None of us like when the truth is spoken to us. Especially when the truth is pointing out a sin or a hurt or a hang up or a habit that's in our life. We don't like it. People aren't always going to like our message. But we need to speak truth. We need to speak of the cross. We need to speak of the redemption that comes through Jesus Christ alone. Have them relationships and find common ground with people. It can't be us four and no more. We've got to want to affect change in people's lives. Remember, we want to grow the kingdom of God. 
if we grow the kingdom of God and we grow heaven so that heaven is full, we did our job as watchmen. We did our job. We did what God has called us to do. Go therefore and make disciples in all nations. That's what we're called to do. So I hope this week that, this, that you will speak truth with grace in somebody's life. And maybe you don't know, you know, Pastor Ken, well, that sounds really good, but I really don't know Jesus. Well, during this final song, you can come up here and we'll talk about you meeting Jesus. Where you can accept Jesus into your life. And if you think, well, Pastor, I got to get things right, you'll never accept Jesus because you're never going to be right. You got to come as you are. He will accept you right where you are. Lord knows he accepted me right where I was. And he radically changed my life. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. Even me. And a lot of people put pastors here. Need to keep me on the same level ground that you're on. And that's at the foot of the cross. Because they were all the same. And maybe you just need to come up and say, God, there's someone I need to talk to. I've got a loved one. I've got a friend. I've got a co-worker. Lord, they're living in a sin. I need to be a watchman. I need to speak your truth. I need to call sin what it is. I need to call sin what your word calls sin to be. Not what the world calls sin to be. Because there's a big difference. And maybe you just need to come up here and pray about it. I'll be up here. I can pray with you. You can just kneel at the altar and give it to God. Heavenly Father, we come to you today as watchmen on the wall. Lord, some of us, when they walked in this room today, didn't know they were watchmen. They didn't know that it was their responsibility to speak your truth and give your grace to others. Knowing that if you call us to go forward and speak to someone, that we need to do it, Lord. And if we see sin in someone's life, that we need to call out sin for what it is. Where that blood could be on our hands. Lord, that you will give us the right words to say that we can find that common ground. That we can show your love and your grace as we speak your truth into someone's life. Lord, that we just don't come off as judgmental, but we come off as a friend. That we appear to be you with skin on in these conversations. And Lord, we know people will get mad and they will get upset. But Lord, I would rather please you than please someone here. Lord, I would rather speak your truths than the truth that the world calls truth. And Lord, during this final song, I just ask if there's someone who needs to come up in prayer, Lord, that you will convict them with the Holy Spirit and either pray where they're at or come up to this altar and leave it here and seek you to sound that alarm that you're calling them to sound in people's lives. And Lord, we love you, we honor you, we praise you. And Lord, we make this prayer in the precious name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen.